there's just so many things going on and, and your heart and your brain sometimes really are on different sides of that fence and they let you know about it. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have Clayton Burke Deering. And you may know Clayton Burke Deering from such bands as The Fights, The Rebecca Songer Band, Tractor Kings, Cole Bridges and the Overpass, The Emily Ann Band, The Landovers, and Neon Gravel. So Clayton Burke Deering, (laughs) welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Today, we're going to be listening to your song, Wild Thing. So, without further ado, let's listen to the song. See you sipping from that poison cup Just like an old friend As I reach for the memory of it Well, here we go again You keep me as your food And I'll keep running on back to you Not something that I want Bye. 
Welcome back. So, of course, Clayton, my first and favorite question to always ask is, what came first? Was it the music or was it the lyrics? I think the lyrics for this one. Yeah. Some some of the lyrics. <laughs> some of the lyrics. It's always interesting to me, like, what was the thing that stirred this idea of the wild thing or wild thing? And then... How does it go from being words to being music and words? Do they get generated separately, etc.? So, because you said words, I would say, like, what was the line that you remember creating first? Uh, it's the first line of the song. I see you sipping from that poison cup. That was just sort of it. And gotcha. I feel like everything else kind of makes sense from that for what the song is about. At what point did Kenna May become involved in, I guess, did... Did they write any of this or did you? Yeah. Okay. So I think I always kind of had kept Kiname in mind when coming up with the song. Has been a dear friend of mine for a long time. And yeah, so I'm glad that that did become an eventuality. Kiname has written a verse and helped me orchestrate it so that it was very much like I feel something that we have done together, you know. And for those that don't know, you can hear Kiname talking about their song, episode 13. At what point did you come up with the music around this. I'm fascinated about how, in the simplest of terms, is going back and forth between two, a major and a minor chord. So you've got like A major and then you've got B minor. It's the transitions between the two that that kind of give the impulsion to the music. And since they're next to each other in the scale, I think it's interesting that in hearing the chord progression back and forth, it's kind of like you're looking at the positive and the negative. You know, if you want to go with the whole like major being happy and the minor being sad, mm-hmm. like I feel like that's even the theme of this entire piece. I want to hold on to kind of the good things, but also there's there's such 
like a negative aspect here. And then there's the, but I, I want to hold on to it, but I don't know. I think it's interesting in looking at the different parts. And I'm just curious, how did that come about? The words do come first for me sometimes, but it's generally a marriage between like the melody and the words that sort of steer where it goes to hopefully it's in eventual like finished version. And it seemed like going to that minor two right off the bat is sort of an interesting thing. I mean, I feel like you kind of usually hear that in more sadder tunes. But yeah, going from like the one, like the very solid like major, it is kind of thematic. And it works that way with the lyrics too, I feel like. And the whole gist of the song is just sitting on that one. And then it goes ooh, into that minor two, that kind of sad, maybe not so ominous, up to the four, a little hopeful then resting back at the one and then right back into the minor chord again so i feel like it is really thematic and rightfully so for the message and for the verses of the tune when did you incorporate the chorus did you have all the verses written out was the chorus written before all the verses were done or how did that work so <laughs> usually it's something I do that maybe maybe a lot of other people, maybe you included, do the same thing where you will write a verse and then you will write the chorus and you feel like you've <laughs> said everything already. And so then everything else is sort of like dialing it back. And that's sort of how it was for this song. You know, I think the chorus came to me pretty early on. I'd heard this guy who used to say that a lot, that love can't help itself, you know. And that just kept rattling around in my head and was the, I mean, it seemed like to say what needed to be said, you know. Before I kind of get into my, like, I guess, lyrical analysis, cool. I guess I can kind of dive in a little bit about some of my interpretations about what this song is about. One of the things, and maybe not necessarily that, this song is about love, I feel like it has the extra added concept of sometimes we get satisfied, I want to say, with misery. We get used to being so miserable about something, and then that's the thing that gives us comfort in a weird way, right? Like, so we, we keep digging into the same thing over and over because either one you you feel like that's all your like this is the best that i could hope for or you're just so comfortable with having that be such an aspect of your life that it just happens over and over and you just you don't want to work to get out of it and if you really do have a love and i'm just saying that kind of in a general way like it requires that extra lack of comfort it requires extra work to get to where it needs to be so i guess in some ways i just feel this song has that unfortunately kind of more of the stewing where it's that point it, so it's not necessarily hitting the the edge of oh this is where i need to make the change it's more of like i'm i'm sitting in it right now sorry i'm gonna throw in another thing I feel like the the instrumental part like right after the first chorus there's a point at which it's the instruments are kind of playing some of the same theme and then they kind of want to 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 break out and explore and then it jumps back briefly into I want to say like the the main motif of the verse and then like as if it had the opportunity to like reassess itself and then but then it falls back into the same pattern and then there's that 
solo part where I feel like, ooh, you're just you're gonna finally make it. You're gonna finally make it. You're getting getting you're breaking away from it, and then it comes back into that same pattern, and then that final verse kicks in. I always think about the instrumental part is this like is this opportunity for reflection and like either reiterating the theme of the piece or it's actually rethinking everything over and over. Are you comfortable with telling me about the story behind these words or what inspired it? I think first I want to say I, I feel an amazing amount of satisfaction is not, not the way to put it, but I feel immensely grateful that you are interpreting it that way and mm-hmm. picking up on the thematic possible and then just returning back to the same old slog. That is a very important part to me that that comes out and it seems like it has so i feel very vindicated maybe is a is a way to put it that's a great word i'm just so grateful that you're just such a with it person man <laughs> i i love that, that that you can pick up on that stuff it makes me i feel really grateful to have heard what you just said right now yeah. fills my soul as cool. an artist and as a just as a person. So I think initially what inspired it was something I think a lot of us are familiar with, with maybe bad relationships or the possibility of relationships that you know won't work out, that wouldn't be good for you or good for them. You know, the verses are a lot about like falling back in love with someone, maybe that you know it's not going to go anywhere or it shouldn't go anywhere because it would not be a good thing. But you just can't help yourself but to feel that way. Anyone out there, or if you have ever, uh, you know, gotten back together with an ex, there's just so many things going on, and, and your heart and your brain sometimes really are on different sides of that fence, and they let you know about it. And uh, just sort of that struggle is a big part of what the song is about. And it's not even necessarily about an old relationship to me which I've had that experience before. You know, it's like the meme of the kid who's falling off the bicycle and just slowly progressively falls more and more and more and then is on the ground. And, and your, your brain is telling you, don't, don't do this. What are you doing? Don't, don't feed into this. Don't, don't go into it or anything. And it just happens anyhow. And I'm also trying to display how that is kind of like a beautiful, it's sad, you know, but it's like a beautiful thing about us as people mm-hmm. is that we, you know, Love is wild. It wants what it wants and it drives us even though we know that maybe the eventuality is not the best for us. I'd say that's a a lot of what inspired that song, you know. I think I have a pretty big heart to my detriment sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I did have an an additional like interpretation as you were talking and so I'm just going to throw this weird thing out there too as I'm like, I think it's also the inexplicable nature of like maybe this is the time that it might actually work out. It's a song about hope, whether it makes sense or not. Maybe, maybe, just maybe this will work. And I, I don't know, I, it, as you were talking, that kind of popped into my head. And a lot of what fascinates me in songwriting is like, who is the person that's talking? And even though I think intellectually, there's a different person that provides the vocals. There's a sense that this is a different person presenting this idea or concept. Mm. And I almost want to say that the incorporation of Kenna's, I'm assuming the verse that they sing is the verse that they wrote. Maybe? I don't know. Okay. Yep. I almost want to say that it's a different person providing vocals. I feel like narratively 
it could possibly be the same person. I think that makes a lot of sense, too. I've been told recently that I write in a very conversational way, mm. and working on this with Kenna, I mean, I just knew that they would be on the same page just from knowing Kenna and all they've done and being a fan of their writing for a really long time. When you do that, it can be such an amalgamous thing, and that makes just as much sense. Rather than telling a story where you're singing it in that way or the verses are spieled out in that way where it's very like step by step mm. you know i think you picking up on that well i think that was also an important thing that kenna was trying to have come across as well and honestly like such a such an important thing to the overarching nature of love just being uh not not always smart and <laughs> being being a wild thing that's hard to hard to contain you know i've been i've been in a relationship for 23 years i certainly know that 23 years ago if i heard this song i would have a definite different interpretation mm. but there there's that aspect of like the ever everlasting hope i don't know i don't know why i want to keep going back to that because it's like in some ways it's so stupid and sorry don't mean don't mean to be like down on anybody that really wants to believe that things can change but like sometimes hope is like the dumbest thing you can believe in <laughs> trying to hold on yeah. to hope is sometimes the most futile but it's also one of the most like beautiful things it's like so amazing that it is to believe in something whether it makes sense or not that that gets me so i totally agree with you it's always a very like in the older sense of the word of a romantic thing it's just a beautiful thing even if it's so stupid to be hopeful about something that is just like such a special thing i mean we like to see that in other people you know and and it's usually something that that is just as transmutable or relatable between different people being like ah oh, i want things to go well for that person because they are being hopeful because yeah. they are being maybe not very full of sense right now but <laughs> right. you know that it's you're i i'm totally with you sven it's such a beautiful thing even though it's a very dumb thing <laughs> sometimes <laughs> can be perceived that way sure uh, but it's uh I, I don't know that's art and beauty man you know i guess i want to circle around to getting this recorded and putting all the different parts together did nick stein do the guitar solo no was that you yeah okay it sounded like you were speaking in nick's voice like his language of of how he puts a solo together oh, you know what i mean like there's you. something that nice. there was something very that i was just like ah that sounds very like nick stein like that was his but it, i can yes, see but, that correlation i'm a big fan of how nick has played solos ever since seeing him and his band with Cole in Easy Street in mm. Southern Illinois. I've always been a big fan of how he does that. I wasn't trying to do that. There was a time when I was like, oh man, I'm going to be the best lead guitar player ever. That was a long, long time ago in a galaxy a few hours away. How did you bring in the different aspects and the different people to perform this and then record at Matt Wenzel's studio? I have ingratiated myself with really fantastic friends and people. And when I came to Dave, Nick, Jacob Krogart, and Emily McCown uh, over a year ago to record an album just to see what it'd be like, we continued playing as a band. And so 
played some shows, had some good times, and then it was time to record another album or venture into doing that. It was still that core group. And Nick has been playing pedal steel in the band solely now, no longer playing lead guitar or anything just because he's trying to go down that path and, and he's sounding great. He's a very big fan of the C6C kind of sound. And I know it seems kind of odd to not have Dad Pride playing keys on that tune. You know, Emily, Emily McCown, Emily Ann is also a great keys player and uh, vocalist yeah. and writer and, and all these things, man. I'm talking... It's hard to talk about your friends that you love so much Well, uh, and, and keep it concise. Emily McCown, episode 12. It seems like I just <laughs> got them right next to each, you know, both uh, both Kenna and, and Emily, like just about the same time. Tangent, I think I listened to that episode before I really knew who Emily was. Oh. I heard this buzz about Sorarize and emily mccown when they had come to town and just made such a big splash you know and rightfully so and i think yeah i don't even think that i knew who emily was listening to that episode huh that was a while ago but yeah and now that makes me happy anyhow jacob krogart is playing the wurlitzer on that such a smooth i mean it's all like oh yeah when he plays smoke starts to fill in on the floor and then you're just transported to like 70 soul you know yeah, yeah. Um, I like the imitation and even there's an echo part like at the beginning of that instrumental after the first chorus where between the guitar and the, the Wurlitzer, one of the hallmarks of like a really good band or a really good musical group is people that are willing to not always be on. They make themselves open to making space for the other musicians so that there's at least like this great play back and forth and i think that this song does a really good job of nobody really steps into the spotlight for very long it kind of people kind of they shine and then they kind of and you know what happens when people like shine and then they they kind of step back they sparkle mm. <laughs> i'm sorry i love that <laughs> i love it less is more a lot of the time but i think uh it's also very fun to not do that Right. You know, and it's and it's very hard to be very contained and hmm. and not do more sometimes. But yeah. I don't know, I'm trying to learn that art, as much as much as all my friends are. You know, art. I'm going to say what my favorite part of the song is, and cool. then you will have to uh, let me know what your favorite part of the song is. This is kind of a tough call, but maybe I'll just cheat and be like, "There's two things." I, I want to say the beginning of the phrase, like before the verses. There's there's this weird sense. It sounds like there's like this floaty part that kind of happens. And I don't know how to articulate it any better than that. But there's this like at the beginning, when someone sings the beginning of the stanza for the verse. So the first few words kick in and then it's like the beats drop, you know, the beats, the bass, everything drops in. And it's like, there's this moment where it's like, and maybe conceptually this does work because it's like, okay, maybe everything will be okay. No, it's not. For me, it's funny that the thing that I like most about it is not because it comes crashing down, but that there's this sense of like floatiness. And so I look forward to that floatiness <laughs> at the beginning of the verses. So here's where I'm cheating. I'm throwing in two things. I love the exploration that happens with the instrumental part after the first chorus. Not only does it kind of explore some of the themes that you're already playing with, but it also has like a journey to it even though the journey ends up coming back home 
you still feel like you went somewhere. Well, Swin, I gotta say, you're so on point with just sort of describing what I was really hoping would come across. And it's given me such an intense amount of gratification just to know that that stuff has come out or that it is landing with someone, which in the way that you're describing things, I know that it is. And it's a very big part of what I feel like I love about the song and what I love about songwriting is that it can just be, or that all those little motifs will come out i i may be i maybe lost my train of thought but it, it it is like as you know as a songwriter and performer yourself like it's so gratifying to know that those things come across that it's not just you over analyzing in your head thinking you're doing more work than is actually coming across do you have a favorite part i think my favorite part is the solo and it's not because i'm playing the solo and i think in your explaining it it's become known to me that it's coming across well is that you are very much like I've described with being in this state of maybe being in love with someone but knowing that you shouldn't act on it or you shouldn't slip back into an old relationship or you shouldn't, you know, follow your heart all the way is that you can really become mired in those feelings and the thematic always returning back to being right back in those feelings that I feel like I was trying to do with having that the step of using me spinning till I can't Mm. You know, just sort of like aloof, you know, because you'll really trick yourself when you're dealing with those emotions just in your head. <laughs> and then reality comes back in and you have to deal with that. But I think like thematically, I really love the guitar solo because it's me trying to imitate or emulate like being tired of being mired in this feeling and, and just slamming against the walls and trying to climb and, and just reaching the peak and then just you fail you know you you can't do it you just slowly slip back into that feeling of being completely helpless at times uh, i don't know i feel like i did that with the solo again it has nothing to do with me it's just the theme of the song that there is a real attempt to try to get out of that cycle hmm. and yet it just lilts back into the same same cycle same repetition of feeling that way yeah so i think awesome. that's my favorite part why did you pick this song to be the song you talked about today Koosh. i know you struggled for a while to figure out which of your pieces you'd like to talk about so i kind of did maybe i thought that this one would be more accessible i love them all even the unheard ones the, <laughs> the, the, the tunes that i don't play out i love them all for different reasons and for this one i guess i felt that it was really accessible and at the heart of it as a person who does enjoy writing who does enjoy playing music but is also getting a little bit older and it's like hard to keep up with things but still trying to let like love and hopefulness drive the bus i think that this song has just been very at the at the top of my mental charts lately awesome it was well, difficult to choose <laughs> <laughs> nice Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Jubilee Cafe. Jubilee Cafe is a free weekly meal program at Community United Church of Christ, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign, Illinois. Jubilee Cafe serves a home-cooked meal from 5 to 6.30 each Monday. Their mission is to feed hungry people by cooking healthy, delicious meals and by serving their guests restaurant-style with servers waiting on tables. Jubilee Cafe is open to anyone who cares to eat with them. 
Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening. Located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, Clayton, what is your favorite Champaign-Urbana venue? I have spent some time and am a fan of a, of a lot of places that no longer exist or support music, but I have been a longtime fan and still am such a fan of the Rose Bowl Tavern. Indeed. It feels like my cheers bar. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me, tell me, people will go, Clayton, as soon as you come in. Hey! <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I actually, I was wondering if you would say that the uh, the Calix Center would be your favorite venue. Mm. I kind of thought, but I think, didn't you end up with a prize at the end of the night for this year's hog shoot of being the most up on stage? Most, I know, you're, you're actually, player. I feel like you're blushing right now, but... <laughs> I'm blushing because... The plan was just to do my solo set because the band couldn't make it. Dad Pride, Dee Prizzle uh, was unable to make it, so it was just going to be a solo set, and that was it. That was it for the plan. Mm. And then um, Neoga Blacksmith asked me if I wanted to play Steel with them. I thought, hell yeah, I've gotten to do that one other time before, and I'm just such a fan of their music. Yeah, Mary Travelers were putting together a porch band, and that was a lot of fun. So I joined joined up with that. I had my stuff there, and Keith Hall. Uh, I I think you know him. I think a lot of folks know him. He, he plays a lot of mandolin and guitar, and is such an experimenter and unafraid to try to hang with different things unknown to him before hopping on stage. Anyhow, he uh, was putting together Keith Hall and the Creeping Grass, uh, where he was just wanting to be more of an experimental folk Americana kind of thing bluegrassy kind of thing so i played steel with that too i had no expectations as to what that was going to be like and then when i got there i'm like this is almost like ambient looper kind of i really hope that that project continues on because i feel like there was a lot of stuff to experience and like see and I feel like it it appealed to in a very weird way those that really enjoy that like well as I said ambient music at the same time all the instruments are like bluegrassy country kind of sound and it was this weird melding and it was like such a chill vibe and it also had a jam band kind of feel to it too which was kind of like everybody yeah. kind of improvised on their own little parts well it was important to Keith that no one knew what we were going to do until we got there, which was great for me because I already had co quite the load mentally. <laughs> okay. okay. So I'm sure there's going to be much more of that. Keith is an incredibly creative person and likes to experiment and get into like chordal theory and all that. So uh, more to come for sure. Yeah. And what I thought was really interesting, at least as you being a part of that, 
is that I felt some of the influences of one of your projects, Neon Gravel, like yeah. come through. I was like, wow, that's that's that voice that you use in the I don't know what would what would you call the style of neon gravel it's experimental for sure but it's more moody than trying to be uh, yeah I don't know it's amalgamous I mean I think just because of the frequency that I do them they a lot of them are all very different and so that's great for me playing pedal steel like kind of stretching how I would play it or what I would do to each different style and also, like, not to say it this way, but I will say it this way, to not run out of tricks or something, you know, like a trick bag or oh, something. Yeah. It's genuinely trying to explore playing it in a different way and learning how to be and what to do in certain situations. One of the things that I've actually really enjoyed about the Neon Gravel project is definitely the frequency. I mean, you've now done it for over a year, which means that you have, I mean, a year plus, which means there are at least 52 out there, right? You do them weekly. Yeah, um, a lot. I, I think you're up to 60, 65, something like that, which is kind of insane, right? I think probably, um, yeah. I haven't counted them in a while. It's funny. I've actually now on my calendar put a blank spot for every Friday to just drop in the information so that it repeats every year. But anyway. I absolutely um, love that. Thank you. You are a legend for, <laughs> for doing that, for making it a habit. Thanks, Google Calendar. It is my <laughs> lifeline. The thing is, is that the frequency, the exploration, and in some ways, the redefinition of what a pedal steel can do or the voice that it can make, I think that's been really interesting because, I don't know, instead of it just being a country folk instrument, it becomes this, I don't know, environmentally kind of, uh, stage for what am I saying? <laughs> it going. becomes I this. It. Um, I don't know. It becomes an instrument that it's not just the single. It's not just the accompaniment. It's not just kind of lending those beautiful tone. I would never think of the. I don't know if I'm using the right words for this, but like I would never think of an aggressive tone coming off of a mm. pedal steel. And I feel like you have done a good job of emoting the different kinds of sounds that you can make with it. So I think that's been fun. And I really hope you never run out of a bag of tricks, even though I think a lot of it is just you're, very creative so i think you just keep finding new themes but i i will put uh, a link to a neon gravel Bandcamp in the show notes so please check it out um thank you you legend you could spend about half a day just listening straight through i mean you're more than an album you're now a collection of <laughs> yeah I'm at, the, I'm at the point now where i would like to make some cassettes or do like some releases on distro I can actually select from from my favorites and stuff. Oh yeah, uh, which is nice. What do you think makes a good music scene, or what makes a good music community? Mm. Here's what I think about when I think about that. I enjoy going out to see different shows. I enjoy going out to see and just kind of see who's working on what, what's going on. Oh, this is a cool. I did not know that this little microcosm of this whole scene 
was a thing or oh that's who this person is that they've been talking about but i also like playing i like playing and like i said i've ingratiated myself with just people whom i really respect their songwriting their music and i get to play with my best friends in some bands i get to play with people who when i moved to town tractor kings just blew my mind and now i get to play in the band like I'm very grateful to get to do all that stuff, but I also recognize that regardless of how busy you are, like you also need to support the scene by like going to shows and stuff. And this is me telling myself that, you know, and reminding myself that it's important to be both sides of that scene. Hmm. For musicians, I feel like, of course, having a collective periphery of just local people, maybe non-musicians, hmm. is, is also very important so that it can foster the kind of appreciation for bands who are trying to do something or who just enjoy giving the audience a good show. I know that there's just so many legs. That's such a, a really big question, really. It has so many legs to answer, but I think that's one that I've been thinking about a little bit more often, just as my time has been dwindling down and then from being busy playing and then also trying to spend the time like going out and being a part of or going to see what other people are doing. It's a Sunday to Sunday very quick. Right. <laughs> and the week is gone. Yeah. But that's important for the scene, man. I just love seeing all the cool things that are going on and everyone just like, God, everyone is so busy recording and writing and trying to divine the best iterations of bands and chemistry with each other. I just love to see it. I feel so grateful that I'm a part of it. I have to admit, I don't know. And now that I've said this, it's going to happen. But I don't know if there's ever been a time that I put in that little bit of extra effort to go to a show, even though I would have been like, I'm kind of tired. I don't feel like doing it right now. I'm just like, I, my social battery is gone. Mm, um, it's a real thing. Really and thing. even when I go, I don't end up feeling like it was time wasted. I'm always like, I was glad that I did it, you know? But as I said, now that I've said it, now like the next show that I go to, it's going to be like, no, I just want to go home. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's one of those things. It's like, it's a habit too. It's like getting yourself out there to go and do that. People supporting each other, you know, that's the only way that it's going to continue to grow. There really is just so much music in town. It's really hard to keep up with all of it, you know? I mean, that's such a good problem to have, I think, you know? I mean, we really missed that a lot during 2020, right? Like, all of a sudden, that just was gone. Yeah, you're not getting to hear the music live. Like, how crazy of a time was that? Not getting to be in the same room, you know? Yeah. Whew, so nice yeah. to be back. <laughs> Although I will give shout-outs to those that continued to try to do live shows that were broadcast. I guess yeah. you could say the only one that's coming to mind exactly at this moment was, you know, VV Lightbody did a mm. and mm -hmm. you know, did a a show in Chicago, you know, midweek and normally I wouldn't have been able to see it, but because they streamed it, I was able to catch a show and throw them, you know, kind of a ticket price at the same time and it's like I would never I was, I think I was even making dinner at the time. I had just put up my phone and had my headphones on and just like, I don't want us to lose some of that. So I guess in some ways I'm begging people to hold Continue. on to some of those yeah. aspects that we learned a lot about. But 
anyway, that's my soapbox. But no, I think yeah. that's a great platform, and I will, I will, I will stand on that box with you, my friend. I think that was really cool, and a lot of folks like learned the validity of doing it that way. Yeah, I kind of wasn't thinking about that because I generally enjoy being in the room, but like all the advancements with like streaming and what it, how it does make sense for some musicians, I hope with you that that doesn't just go away. I mean, you're creating accessibility too, which is like amazing. Music should be for everyone and accessible is key. I was just thinking about how I had a music teacher in junior high that she actually had everybody just take blank staff paper and and write notes and then she would just play them i was like oh that doesn't sound too bad so i just started doing this thing where i'm just like i didn't really have any way to play it any specific great talent but i just started writing my own you know just writing it and i heard it and i was like oh my gosh but somehow in my mind that clicked oh i could do this and just the ability to be able to know that i could do it what set me on a set me on that on that course and i guess in some ways i keep thinking about like how many people are out there that don't realize they can do something because they don't see or get the acknowledgement that they could do it like the barriers to certain things are not just the ability to do something but just knowing that you could do it is this weird switch of an ability like and by switch i don't mean like swapping i mean it's like flipping a light switch when the light bulb goes off that you can do something i think yeah unfortunately i yeah i do think that maybe a lot of people don't get that intro to certain things in their life whether music or something else sometimes it's self-respect which really sucks but that is such a gift man that that you've been given that i'm not sure that i remember what that was for me teachers in class or out of class are just like the jedi of our world that's all there is to it <laughs> you know jedi or sith i will give them that too they can like, teach you the wrong things the dark things yes you know i was hanging out with it was for emily mccown's birthday mm. kiname me jacob kroger and emily mccown went to wheelhouse and we were riding back and emily was talking about something i'm sorry i can't recall what i had for breakfast yesterday so but Kenna, Kenna tells them, they're like, ah, you teach me. And that was the first time I have like, I mean, I'm 36 now. I pretty much was then. This was only like a month ago. But that was the first time that I had heard someone say that. And it just like bloomed on me in like such a beautiful way. The you teach me thing, like reinforcing and showing gratitude and addressing mm-hmm. that like when your friends or someone that you appreciate or whoever just like, teaches you i don't know it's not even just about being like oh that's a nice way to say thank you champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support exile on main street exile on main street located in the old train station building at 100 north chestnut street in downtown champagne has been helping to build record collections since 2004 carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old-school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages 
for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAINE. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Clayton, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? All right. Are you ready for this, Ben? I am. I don't know this about you. I maybe have a feeling, and I've thought about this a lot because I feel like this uh, in listening to all, all the podcasts that I have, not all of them, sorry. Mm. There's, God, there's like a hundred and a hundred and some of them now. Yeah. You are going to be 111th. <laughs> 111th. Wow. I yeah. love the iconography of just the, the same number repeated. You betcha. <laughs> it is a hard thing to choose, but I think that I have to say video games. Oh. Now I know that's kind of a broad scope. So let me give you a little backstory on that. If it's if it's okay if I spin the yarn. Sure. When I was younger, I in true escapist tendencies when things were not going all that well when I was younger and my dad had passed away, my grandpa had passed away, and then my grandma had passed away. I was really just sort of like starting to play video games and realizing what a nice escape that was. And I have always kept like a certain element of escapism which i feel like a lot of people do with video games right and that's something that i still enjoy to this day although i will say <laughs> i don't have a lot of time to play video games it's terrible i don't i'll be right. like may, maybe an hour maybe an hour a day or every other day and that's not really fair because it'll just be a long time and and like the kind of video games that my partner callie love you babe and i play require like time <laughs> right i i don't know if i've played a video game in a really long time oh, wow. but you don't play video games i also do not have any um i will say that the last game system that i had was the wii not the wii switch or anything like that just mm. the wii um but before that was the gamecube i don't know why i'm on nintendo but uh, whatever i used to actually be able to play video games long enough that i would get sore yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I would develop carpal tunnel. You know, I mean, the, the, it's just, it's it's weird to me. Well, now now my video games are like me sitting and editing for, for many, many hours. And high so score. it's like, yeah, high score. Seven hours, way to go. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, I wouldn't mind just being able to switch my brain off, but while being active. Like you're actually engaging in something. So I think now I just binge something, which is totally inactive. It's not interactive, right? Like you could shut your brain off for, instead of binging a series, I could be playing this long video game where I'm actually in control and interacting rather than just uh -huh. kind of this passive. I was just thinking about like, maybe I should go back to that. I wonder if I'd be feeling a little less like I wasted my time if I binge something, maybe. Well, but like, yeah, I don't know. You know. I think this is really important, actually, because I think that some people are like, oh, I wouldn't play video games. I have no time. I, I, I do stuff in real hmm. life, you know? And, and other people, very intelligent, smart, productive people also mm -hmm. enjoy it, too. And, and I think that there is something to, like, when you binge watch a show... Your, your mind is still active, but you're getting to relax. When you play video games, 
in my opinion, the right way, your mind is active and you're kind of escaping from the stresses and other things that are going on because maybe you have an overactive mind and you need to take that dog out for a walk, you know, for an hour or something like that. You know, it doesn't feel so much like lost time, but certainly mm -hmm. there are times when it's not a good replacer for like trying to find relaxation, I don't think, because yeah, you need time for your mind to just space out. I know that maybe I'm looking at this the exact opposite way of how it should be, but there's something about doing something that can be quote unquote stressful. Like you get worried like, oh my gosh, my character's going to die or whatever. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm making this as like simple as possible, but this is so you, real, you know, like, so you have a moment of like stress, but in the end it's like, I can just turn that off. And then my, your escapism is something that also allows you to escape as well, right? So you can, like, you can jump hey. into a different world, be in a different place. As soon as it stresses you out, at the end of the day, you can just turn it off. Kind of like a, a dream, right? Yeah. Like, it was a nightmare, but it wasn't real. To me, I feel like that could be like a relief in itself. Anyway, I, I, I totally agree I with you. Like I think about I, that. Uh, when, when I was getting all my teeth taken out a little bit before COVID. I think maybe during the same time. I kind of can't remember. Hmm. It was all a dream. <laughs> the most hardest part of my life kind of dream. But I had met some people online just because I was staying home. You know what I mean? And I couldn't really like write and I couldn't really do a lot because I was taking a lot of pain meds. And so video games I could do and online chat rooms I could do. And I had met some friends whom are still my friends to this day. I don't really, I haven't played with them in a long time, but I still consider them real good buds. We would play games together and we'd play a couple games that were so stressful that it really had me thinking like, this is terrible. I'm stressing about this more, like this is no longer relaxing. Mm -hmm. This is no longer a good escape. This yeah. is way more stress and I need to relax after I do it. And then that's, that's when it becomes a problem. Hmm. Like playing games or getting in situations like that where when you take the headset off, you're like, oh, all right, okay, time to relax. Well, like, that's silly. Really random thought, but I'm like, is it kind of like emotional exercise, right? Like, hmm. it's kind of dumb to run. I'm going to say it. I'm sorry, runners. But basically, you put yourself through some stress, right? And you kind of accomplish something and it's it's hard and you breathe hard and your heart just wants to jump out of your chest and etc but at the end of the day it's like why did i go through that well it's just like i'm i'm physically training myself to do better the next time and i'm almost wondering under pressure if yeah. maybe the whole video game like stressing you out is like emotional training i don't know anyway so feel free to feel free to add at me and tell me that i'm just dumb but sometimes i'm like well All right, runners you know get him <laughs> well, not even the running thing, but just like uh, video games as an emotional trainer as well, you know, like as something that you kind of work it out and you get an opportunity to stress out about something, but then the next time maybe it won't be as stressful. I don't know. The only thing I can equate to that is like I had a decent car accident where I actually rolled the car Whoa. and uh, I think the year after that i was just like everything felt like it had the volume turned down so i don't know yeah, it's kind of okay. interesting like it it just like pushed me past this one point and then i was like 
oh, well, this is just isn't that bad, I guess. So I don't, uh, you know, <laughs> some might be interjecting or screaming at their podcast right now saying, you know what, that's trauma. That's what you're describing is trauma. trauma yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, mm, you know, we all cope in different ways, right? So I, I yeah, sorry. Well, I see Weird the, tangent. I see the, well, uh, I, I'm seeing the uh, the parallel you're drawing between uh, the healthy parallel you're drawing between like pushing and exerting yourself harder uh, so that you you know in the future you can perform at that level with more ease you know and sometimes that I yeah I can see that parallel between like playing stressful video games will help you in that situation next time I guess it just depends on how applicable it is afterwards you know yeah and I'm not saying don't don't traumatize yourself with something like do what you feel feels safe everybody you know some of those video games can be quite real you know clayton it has been a pleasure just talking with you it has been so nice about your song wild thing you know the champagne urbana music scene but also you know your favorite non-musical thing so thank you so much for being (laughs) on the show thank you so much for having me it's been so fantastic just hanging out with you and rapping Thank you for listening to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. This is Clayton Burke Daring reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) South Beaker on the inside.